75% of people think real estate agents aren't very trustworthy. The only way to change that perception is to change the reality. If you're looking for a career where integrity matters and you can guide others through tough, high stakes decisions, come join us at Story Real Estate and help drive that 75% down to zero. I'm Chris, the owner and founder. Let's see if we have a career you'll love. Doing. It's Advent. We're like rotating the music. This is not handle. This is not handle. This is not handle. Hey y'all, no. welcome to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Pastor Toby Chuck knocks on the water boy. And we got a Republican presidential candidate coming on. We, the show. we did it. Yeah, we did it. We, we did, did it. it. We've we, arrived. Yeah. We made it. Yes. November is the time of year many of us. Well, it's not November. Who wrote this ad? It's December. December, December is the time of are year. Are you paying attention? <laughs> many of us are thinking, some of you are like, yeah, it's November. <laughs> no, it's not. It's December. Uh, this is the time when many of us are thinking about how we're going to pay our medical bills next year before making a final decision. We want to ask you to take a look at healthcare sharing with Samaritan Ministries. As a Samaritan member, you're connected to 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually and financially when a medical need arises. Samaritan Ministries is affordable, and with no network restrictions, you're in control of your healthcare, choosing the doctors, hospitals, and treatments that are right for you and your family. And with direct member-to-member sharing, you'll always know who your money's actually helping and that you're not supporting medical procedures that go against your values. So get started today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash CrossPolitik. That's SamaritanMinistries.org slash CrossPolitik. It's Christmas time. Pub members. And so we're giving away gifts uh, during all our shows in December, because it's December, <laughs> not and, November, and uh, and so we're doing a giveaway every every show, culminating uh, for all pub members, and you can you can join if you're not a pub member to be entered into a drawing at our wives show. We're giving away thirty free tickets yeah. to our national conference in 2024. Wow, Prodigal America in Fort Worth, Texas. That's right. And uh, so if you are would like to come, and if you have thirty friends, which I know is kind of a high. Bar. It's a high bar, but uh, <laughs> you have to have thirty wait, friends, wait, wait, wait. and, and wait, you need wait, to know all their birth dates no, just to prove it. We'd no. love to give away thirty tickets uh, to thirty enemies too. You can have okay, thirty yeah, enemies. Yeah, sure, sure. That's all right. right, you can do the drawing. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, the- and the drawing for today is Melanie S. Melanie S. You need like a there we there go. go. Melanie asked, Melanie. what did she win? We'll be in touch. She won a, a magazine? A goodie bags. A goodie, ba- goodie bags. A, a it's mag- goodie bag week. A magazine and a cup and yep. a pen and... All sorts of goodie bags. Okay. All sorts of cross-politics, okay. fight, feast, Brandon stuff. All right. Merry yep. Christmas, y'all. We're really grateful to have with us on the show today, Ryan Binkley. He's running for president of the United States. Currently, he is the CEO of Generational Group, located in Richardson, Texas, he is also the lead pastor of Create Church, Create, which he founded, sorry, with his wife, Ellie. Ryan, thanks for coming on CrossPolitik. Well, it's great to be with all of you, and I'm really honored, and uh, welcome from Iowa. I'm just finishing an, about an eight-day trip uh, between here and South Carolina, so I'm headed home today, but it's great to be with all of you. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Um, so, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I haven't heard of you. Uh, until today, yeah, I, I have. But, but um, Gabe, Gabe's been following. So I'm more in touch with, with yeah, the politics and situation. But yeah. so, what? I mean, what makes you think you can win the Republican nomination, Ryan? You know, you know, my, I'm still in this race really because I believe and I feel called to. You know, if we back way up, 
about why I entered it to begin with. Really started that way. You know, I'm a CEO of a business I co-founded about 20 years ago. Uh, we've grown it to have about 400 employees. So I'm, I'm not looking for another job. We're really blessed. I'm thankful. Yeah. And I'm also living um, my dream of pastoring. You know, God really put a ministry in my heart many years ago, um, shortly after I got saved. And my wife and I have been married for 25 years this January. We've got five kids. So life is busy. But really, you know, dreams and the messages from God began to come to my heart for our nation about eight years ago and about running for this office. And then they just kept coming. And he began telling me about some things for our country that he wants to say. And uh, really, uh, it has a lot to do with the culture of our country, about how to repair it, about the fact that we're all one family, about what he sees and how we look at the hurting and the least the most. And, and uh, that's culminated with some wisdom in the economic side. Um, so I see things through these two lenses, and I've been shouting this message. You know, uh, it's a it's an uphill battle. We missed the first debate by really about five pollsters in, in New Hampshire wow. and just a few people in one other poll. So we're very close to getting there. And the only thing I could think of is, listen, we weren't there because maybe God didn't want us to be. I certainly wanted to be. Uh, but we are still sharing our message. And uh, we just got launched in a national poll last week. And I really think that we can finish top three or four in Iowa. We're plugging away here. Uh, you know, there was 15, 16 candidates when we first started, and now there's about five or six left, I think. And, yeah. and uh, so we've slowly moved up really a lot by attrition, admittedly. But, you know, we are we are hearing that people like our message. Uh, the time of um, division is getting stale in our country. Uh, I think inflation is getting old. People are tired of dealing with a, a government that's got runaway debt to it. We've got some thoughts on all these things, and that's why I'm still in the race. Ryan, um uh, we definitely want to talk to you about um, your your um, your ideas and and the policy proposals you have for our country. Um, I want to start. I wanted to start with education because I um, strongly believe that one of the most detrimental things in our country has been um, uh, government education over the last hundred years. Um, public schools uh, have essentially um, rotted out our souls and our minds, and so I want to know what is your plan for getting. Uh, government out of education? Well, you know, it's it's a multifaceted. You know, we have to remember that education primarily is a state-by-state state issue. So every state kind of has to own their own thing. It's not a national program. We don't have a national, you know, K through 12 necessarily program. Although I would like as president to put some incentives in there on a strong curriculum and really have accountability to that curriculum. I do think in order to uh, receive some of the funds they do get from federal government, we can require them to get politics out of school. Uh, at the end of the day, we need school choice. And so every single state, you know, I would be recommending as a leader, not just legislation, but leadership. Listen, we need to give parents school choice. If your kid's in a failing school, if they're in one that's just going nowhere, they're not growing, they're not connecting, they're not learning. You know, listen, you have options and every state should follow Iowa's plan as well as some other ones now where they're actually giving five or six, seven thousand a year, allowing them to go to a private school, a charter school or just another public school that is performing better. So school choice is one. Parental involvement is another. You know, we've got to get parents back involved. You know, many parents have just allowed teachers and um, institutional leaders to to educate their kids without necessarily them being engaged. They have to be involved back in the process more and that uh, we've got to protect our kids. So a big part of that is that other than that, you know, I really think this we need mentors. You know, a lot of kids just need some mentors. And I'm, I'm kind of launching a new program called Save Serving and Volunteering in Education where we're asking college students to give three hours a week 
to to mentor a third grader on how to read. And we can do this, and this could really change because odds uh, studies show if you don't read, you know, fluidly by the time you're in third grade, you know, you get behind. And if you're behind at eighth grade, it's too late to catch up. So I want to start a mentoring program, and I think this is going to be key to our party as well. Diving into urban America, which are the most hurting areas, and, and figuring out, letting everybody know we care. Right now, we're a party that really is not doesn't have a message that we care, but I care, and I know many do in the Republican Party. So we have to dive into urban America, not run from it. You know, Ryan, um, I think it's got to be really difficult to be a Christian and run for president of the United States, um, because um, I mean, America and past presidents and even Republicans have entrenched. Um, policies and institutions that have no place in our government, and and so as a Christian, it's like, well, okay, how do I handle? You know, uh, the, you know, right now the federal government has a Department of Education. Well, it's like if you look at the stats, like since the Department of Education started in the seventies after it broke off from uh, the 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 um, uh, Department of it was like Health and Education, it, it split from there. You look at when the Department of Education started in the 70s, all it has done is caused um, the price of education to increase faster than like the healthcare sector. It's crazy. Um, but how do I, as a president and Christian president, kind of walk into this mess, kind of deal with the problem um, and kind of own the problem first and then deal with the problem? And But also like, it, you know, sometimes sometimes you just got to eliminate bureaucracies. I don't have a problem with that. You just got to delete it. Like the 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 president and um uh, the new president. I know in, you're talking about. Yeah. In uh, Argentina. Argentina. Yeah. He just came in. He just he yeah. just lined up. He reduced twenty something departments into nine. It was yeah. amazing. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> like my my heart was. Uh, I had a single. I cried a single tear. <laughs> but like you know, and, but also the business side of me kind of kicks in and says, well, education's been broken for a long time. Grades have been declining in, in education for a long time. Social justice and all these trans culture and the bathrooms and all this stuff. It, it's like it's broken. And you even you even said that, um, you know, if if a, failing, if a kid's at a failing school, he should have the choice to go to another school. I regret that sentiment. But the, the even as a business, I'm like, well, if that school is failing, then I'm going to cut it. If I have a department in my company that my marketing department is failing, I'm going to fire all the staff. I'm going to get rid of that department. You know, why it seems to me a little bit that we want to kind of baby the answers on some of these things, even as Christians, uh, uh, you know, when we should just be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's the government should play no role in this whatsoever. We need to go back to zero and start over, you know, kind of thing. Does that make sense, Ryan? No, it, it does. And listen, I think wholeheartedly, you know, we need to hold accountability bring accountability to um, educators and to the leaders of these schools. So if you've got 20% of your kids dumping your school and you're the school board, what do you need to do? You, you probably need to do principal. You probably need new leadership. You need new teachers. You know, the teachers unions have a stronghold, a stranglehold on right. much of education systems throughout the United States. And you know what? They need to be held accountable to it if we're not doing well. But a lot of the curriculums we're having, you know, no child left behind, common core. These things aren't working. They're not working, and we need to remind America the best way to economic prosperity is to have brilliant kids. We need to raise kids that want to work and want to learn, and so we can do better than what we're doing. I'm just going to shine a big light on this and then offer a solution. At the end of the day, the solution is going to be the school choice, accountability, a curriculum, mentors, and let's teach people to learn, and let's teach people also how to work. You know, I want to challenge young people. If they're not going to go to college, let's get prepared for vocation. 
vocational skills and trades. We need to bring these back to America. When I was young, we had opportunities to learn those as an apprenticeship type level. We need to have those again in every single state because not everybody's going to go to college. And you don't have to come out with a hundred grand in debt and do something yeah. that doesn't even relate to your passion. But you can be a craftsman, electrician, a plumber. You can be in technical trades. You can be in even some medical trades without a four-year degree. It's time that we teach people how to have a career. And so we want to launch people on two tiers of education. Tier one, go to college. Tier one, get a trade. And let's do something different for America. Let's start a work movement and a volunteer movement. That's what we're about, getting teachers and parents involved again and give school choice. We'll launch our kids into a higher level. So you wouldn't eliminate the Department of Education or would you? You know, we certainly can. I would certainly look at that right now. You know, uh, they give back, I don't know, 8% of the budgets to states. And so one of the things that makes me think to keep it a little bit is this hold blue states accountable for having a curriculum. You know, if I'm going to give back 8% of the money, well, why don't we just, you know, say, hey, you get this money when you have a curriculum that matters, when you have accountability that matters, and when you get propaganda and politics out of your curriculum. And you know what? If you if you don't do that, then you don't get it. Uh, certainly, also, we could give it to the schools that are hurting most financially in that particular state. I wouldn't mind kind of doing a reverse because right now in states, when every city that has a high income in that particular city, they get the most money. So you see some of the urban area schools suffering the most in every single state because bottom line that they don't have the income in their neighborhoods to really support that school. I wouldn't mind reversing that a little bit. But at the end of the day, uh, it's accountability. But we can certainly you know, either cut it if it's not effective or use the money effectively to hold people accountable. Can we can we talk about your seven year economic plan? That's one of the things that's really interesting because I looked at it and I saw seven years and like I don't know anybody who doesn't want a seven year economic plan to get back right after the what hundred at least at least a hundred years of horrible economic decisions we've been making <laughs> and and our economy is in a nightmare. So how how are you going to fix what we currently have right now in seven years? Well, you know we have to understand what the problem is. So the problem is this: politicians are buying votes with our children's credit cards. That's right. That's it. At the end of the day, they're trying to appease every single segment of society they can. And they're absolutely obliterating the wealth of not only of our children, but our grandchildren. We are $33 trillion in debt. We're going to go two more trillion this year, two more trillion next year with interest rates rising. And at this pace, we double our debt every 10 years. I'm projecting in about six years, we're going to have $50 trillion in debt we're going to spend 14 to 15% of our budget on interest payments. Basically, what we're doing, it's like taking out a third credit card to make interest-only payments on your first credit card. That's what we're doing. It's debasing the, the money in all of our bank accounts. Basically, it's demonetizing us, our wealth. And this is what causes the wealth gap between the rich and the poor. Everybody says, look at the wealth gap data. It's tremendous. And the problem is the tax code. Well, the problem isn't the tax code. Most of the bottom third don't pay any taxes anyway. The real problem is this, inflation. Because people that are poor, they pay the same amount for eggs, milk, fuel. Uh, I mean, they pay the same amount for, for everyday things that the wealthy do. And inflation is stealing away every bit of their money left over at the end of the month, and they have none. And so that's what's stealing from the poor is this wasteful spending that we're doing in Washington, D.C. So we put together a plan that balances the budget. We can do that, first of all, by going after the biggest piece, and that's healthcare. We can talk about that separately. But healthcare has got to be solved. 
It is the biggest piece of our budget. And when we do that, we can balance the budget. All we got to do is cut about 3% a year for seven years. We're 20% over. We're going to nip away at some of uh, the wasteful spending and, and discretion, non-defense discretionary spending, as well as we're going to peg Social Security to GDP. We can no longer give 8% bonuses in this while we're going into inflation. So we're going to have to cure it. And when we cure it, we can fix the economy. I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put my, my um, feet in your shoes and thinking, okay, if I'm, if I'm president or running for president, um, uh, I mean, you, you, we've created a government where, especially at the federal level, where it's way bigger than what the founders had originally intended it to be. You know, the wisdom and kind of the, the, the founders' wisdom was the whole, you know, states, the emphasis of politics is at the local level, which is where states' rights come in. And I want my I want my politics, I want my taxes, I want my education, I want all my politics at the local level, instead of trying to get like Ryan's attention in in in, in the in the office, in the Oval Office saying, Hey, you know, fix our education down here. You know, and and so that's, that's right. It, you know, it's a lot easier for me to walk into my mayor's office. And be like, dude, we got a we got a problem with our education, or we got a problem with taxation. Yeah, and it's a lot harder to get Ryan's attention in D.C. Um, you know, go ahead. You know, the main job of government today is two things: one, get out of the way; number two, create a level playing for a field so you and I can succeed, our families can succeed, and these states can succeed. So, what do we got to do in that? We, we're going to have to tactfully go in there after that because we're about to enter a storm. The storm is this. Uh, I believe this S and P, you know, it's about, it's overvalued by about 25%. We saw mm. Warren Buffett just reported yesterday. He has sold $27 billion worth of stocks. Now Warren Buffett's no fool. And the reason he's doing that is because the PE ratio on stocks in the S and P 500 is about 25, which wow. is about 30, 25, 30% over its historical average of 17, 18 or so. Yeah. So it's overvalued considerably, considerably. We're probably going to see a pullback in stocks. Uh, housing's going to go down. And the reason housing's going to go down is because interest rates are so high. Yeah. The average payment for a mortgage it is twice that as it was two years ago for the same price house. Right. So we're going to see a little bit of housing decline. And then what's the Fed going to do? The Fed can only lower rates to spur the economy. But what that's going to do is cause inflation again yeah. because we keep spending too much money and we have to print money to make these payments. So we have this money supply. I'm calling it like a perfect storm we're about to run into. So what I'm going to do is fix this. And, you know, healthcare is a big part of this because we have twice the twice the inflation, almost 40% higher inflation every single year in healthcare than we do regular inflation. Mm. And it's outpacing wage inflation. So the real problem is, is wages aren't keeping up with all this mess and it's costing everyone. So, you know, we can navigate this. You're right. The government needs to get out of the way. It needs to be pushed down to the states. But what we've done is we've trusted our leadership. And so what I'm going to have to do as president is look in the camera just like I'm doing with you right now and say, listen, here's what inflation is. Here's what debt is. Here's how corrupt it is. And here's how it, it robs from really all of us, but the poor the most. And here's how we can fix it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be done just by 30-second answers. I'm going to put together a unique plan, ask them to call their senators, congressmen, and say, listen, hold the line for my children's future. If we don't, our children are going to be suffering here in a few short years, and we've got to recognize that this is a tremendous problem. Because right now, 50% of young people are living with their parents underneath the age of 25. Mm -hmm. Now, when your kids get out of college, you know what? They want really one thing, 
financial independence. Their goal isn't to come back and live with mom and dad. (laughs) And so that's the scenario. That wasn't their goal, right? So that's the scenario we put them in there and we're going to fix this, but I'd have to communicate with America just like this and we can, we can do better. Public houses or pubs are not just places to drink beer, wine, cider, or even something a little stronger. Pubs are a unique social center, very often the focus of community life in villages, towns, and cities throughout the length and breadth of the world. We here at CrossPolitik hope to emulate that for you and yours. That's why you should grab yourself a pub membership at FightLaughFeast.com. We need you on this ride with us. So pull up a chair, grab a pint, and join us on this ride at FightLaughFeast.com. Join the pub. And remember, all Christmas long, all December long, uh, we're giving away gifts to all our pub members as a big thank you and a Merry Christmas and all culminating in 30 free tickets to the Fight Laugh Feast conference in 2024. That's fightlaughfeast.com. Join the pub. Uh, so, you know, we're finding, I didn't think it was brilliant at first, but we're finding out that both Ron DeSantis and the governor of tech, what's it, um, Abbott, governor Abbott, governor Abbott, Abbott your governor, uh, did something really amazing by sending people who are illegally entered the country to New York and to Chicago. Chicago. And we're getting the feedback now that a lot of people all of a sudden are very aware of our horrible border system <laughs> and in ways that they probably didn't care about before. And it was a brilliant, brilliant play to be able to say, okay, how do we break the hold that democratic citizens in these cities, in these States have um, with the relationship of their leaders? And that seemed to work to get them to say, we need to care more about our border. I guess the question I'm asking you is how do you do more of that and still secure the border? You know, well, first of all, you know, we have to recognize that uh, Joe Biden is breaking the law every single day and remind everybody that he is. Mm. There's already a law in place, and that's that you're supposed to hold people at the border unless there's 100 percent certainty that they qualify for asylum. And he's breaking that law every single day. It's the Immigration and Naturalization Act. And uh, we have to enforce the law. Now, President Trump did some good things by trying to you know, seal this thing, but he didn't have any money. We put together a plan that does two things. One, secures the border from coast to coast and actually stops this ability for drugs to come in, which is killing about 100,000 people a year and actually brings a real solution, too, to the immigration crisis that we have because we have a, we have a unique problem. One, we've got 20 million people, some that have been here 20 and 30 years. We don't even know exactly how many people have been here. And uh, we've actually got a, a worker shortage problem as well. America quit having kids, as many kids. And so we've got a problem mm. in America. We need jobs. Mm. The reason they're coming here is people are offering jobs. So you got two people breaking the law. You have U.S. companies breaking the law. I speak to them all day long. They know it, and the, but they can't do anything about it because nobody is waiting in line to work in a meat processing plant mm. or to work on a hog farm or to work in many of these jo- jobs that are very, very difficult in, um, in, in construction. And so, you know what? Uh, we can do better. We have to have legal work registration for jobs we need, for those that actually meet the strict worker requirements that are job-sponsored. We have to know who everybody is, and I think we can fix that. You know what? I, I think it is smart that we send people to other other states to do that. I think there's a diplomatic way to do it. I don't like putting people on buses with with uh, you know, no notification, so they're just kind of dropped off in the corner somewhere. I think we could work with states better. But at the end of the day, listen, listen they are. You're right. They are becoming aware of it, and uh, but uh, but they're still not doing anything about it. They're still not shouting for Joe Biden to close the border yet. And I think uh, it's going to take leadership to really do both of these things: close the border 
come up with a bipartisan plan because we need money to do this. And our plan allows for that to happen. But we've got a crisis in America right here, and we've got to stop it at once. One of one of our solutions. Can, okay, uh, go talk ahead. about one of our okay. one of our solutions was, uh, you know, Governor Abbott should declare a you know some some like COVID some form of COVID state of emergency because apparently he can do that in Texas and eliminate all payroll taxes, and so which would allow or, or at uh, least a moratorium on a it. moratorium. No, I'd eliminate <laughs> <laughs> at least some sort of moratorium on. Hey, this is an emergency. Immigration is an emergency. We do need. Texas companies do need employees, right? And so um, we need to give them the capacity and ability to hire these illegal immigrants, and and then that would be also a pathway to citizenship because now they're working, and and in Texas, and so that would push back against government, you know, federal government intrusion into the state, telling us to collect payroll taxes and all this stuff, and at the same time being able to solve and serve. I mean, we've we've dehumanized the whole legal immigration thing. Has been a very dehumanizing um, discussion, political discussion, and so um, well, why don't we? If we're, if if Biden's going to do this and not do his job, why don't we create a way of humanizing them, being able to hire them, get rid of uh, government intrusion in the hiring process, and 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 own the system, own the situation? Because a, a lot of what's happened is now these illegal immigrants are being treated like a political tool. And, you know, and mm. they're going to eventually probably figure out how to vote in this country. Well, why not Christians kind of assume that process? Conservative Republicans kind of assume the, the center in this and come up with a solution that actually humanizes the situation and gets the federal government out of the process because they don't care anyways. You know, I think um, I think there's elements of what you're talking about really in our plan. If you check it out, it's the Security and Dignity Act on our website. You know, the details of it are there. But at the end of the day, you're right. We need worker registration. But you know what? Our plan calls for, uh, you know, likely uh, getting rid of people that have been here in these open open border Biden years. Um, the reason is, is we've got too many people here now. And then what it's done also, it's deflated wages. There's many people here that are taking jobs far below what other people could be working for. And it's kind of tipped the scales of balance. And so we have to actually know who's here. We have E-Verify for every company. That's going to get rid of sanctuary cities as well, because it's going to require companies to make sure they go through a government-run system where we know who's here. And if they haven't gone through the actual process of obtaining legal work registration, then they're not allowed to be here. Furthermore, it, it gets rid of catch and release. So we've got these people now that once they catch them here illegally, we're just kind of patting them on the back saying, have a nice life, and we're not sending them home. It actually calls for that, but it actually allows for truly uh, an expansion of the legal worker needs we hear, uh, we have here, and because we need them. And this is so key as Christians. You know, I, I, I share this message a lot, and a lot of states are pretty pretty hard on immigrants. But in the Bible, the Bible talks about four groups of people that he paid attention to how Israel treated. I mean, he just watched them. And one was the poor, one was the widow, the one was orphans, and the other was, was strangers at the gate, or I'll call it this, the immigrant. Yeah. So I believe this, whatever we do, we need to do with dignity, we need to do it with care, treat them as God's kids, because they are. At the end of the day, many of them are coming here, but we have to remember, we're also hiring them. So we're, we're not enforcing our laws. And yes, they broke the law, but we're not enforcing our law and we're breaking the law again by hiring them. So but at the same time, so we got to do it with care and dignity and, and act like God's watching because he is. And I don't get the sense that God's high-fiving each other when we're just, you know, sending people everywhere without a true plan for them. Uh, we need to be careful how we do that. And, 
and um and, and make sure we do it with dignity binkley2024.com that is binkley2024.com people can go there to find out all the other details that we didn't get a chance to talk about and reveal more details of some of the things we did talk about ryan thank you so much for joining us man appreciate you very much hey you guys are rock stars i appreciate what you're doing i mean you're sharing the message of life and living it uh, you know, by faith, and I appreciate it so much, and I love being with you, and and would love to share more again. And uh, so, uh, God bless, and have a great day. Hey, when you come up to Idaho, that's where we're at. We're in Northern Idaho. Okay, come yeah. in the studio. All right, come hang with us. I look forward. To, I would love to be there. I'd love to be there. Take All care. All right. If Bye-bye. you're single, getting married. If you're married, have kids. You have kids. Go baptize. Until tomorrow, I love God with all your heart. Must mean live his name seven Jesus man. Merry Christmas. <laughs> what we must be is a people that are ready to war for truth for righteousness, for the kingdom. In short, what we need to do is we need to dress up for the occasion, ladies and gentlemen. To forsake the cliches of the secular and the cliches of the Christian culture, and we need to march to a different tune that's led by angelic choirs rather than masqueraded demons. Because Satan knows the crucial target. He's seen the war. He knows where to target. He has inspected the holy places. He knows where the weaknesses of your faith are. And so we uphold it. We defend the faith together this week. We defend the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. We need to understand what precisely are the devil's schemes. We need to learn to speak the truth boldly. We need to fight for the kingdom and to live rightly in the sight of God and man. And so this evening and throughout this week, you are called to be a priestly people. The kind of priestly people that engages the darkest enemy that you'll ever engage. And you're going to engage the darkest enemy whose name we know, Satan, And we're going to engage them not mildly. We're going to engage them by wearing our baptismal attire, by wearing that which God has given us. We carry the name of Jesus wherever we go because Jesus is our righteousness.